My name is David Siegler, and welcome to my podcast. Property sourcing properties, anybody out there in property sourcing land, sourcing properties for profit, (laughs) this is the podcast for you, and I'm super, super excited this morning. I've got a, a giant in the property in, uh, industry with me today. Somebody I have known and admired uh, pretty much since I first came to Progressive Property uh, back in 2014. We, I've got to know him a little bit better in recent, in recent months, maybe the last 12 months or so. I'm really impressed at what he's done and what he's achieved, basically from a standing start as a mere slip of a thing. So if you're listening to this thinking, Dave, how do I start? What do I do? I'm so young. I have no experience. You've got to listen to this. Uh, and uh, all, all I'm going to say now is put your hands together, property sourcing properties, for the wonderful Housted Otley. Yay! Good morning, Housted. Good morning, David. Thank you very much for that introduction. <laughs> how we do it here on the Property Sourcing Profit podcast. Um, how wonderful to have you with us. So I'm, I'm really quite excited for this next 30, 40 minutes or, or so, uh, how this is going to roll. So um, you are something of a quiet man. You sort of keep your head um, sort of below the parapets a bit, below the radar. Having said that, you are still a PPN host? I am, yes. Yep. And to, tell the folks about your meeting house, which PPN do you host? So I host PPN Ipswich, uh, and we meet the second Monday of every month. Uh, here in the Ipswich area, and we have, you know, a good few people coming, anything up to 40 people that come along. Um, since we've been, obviously, in this lockdown period, um, we've had one, we're back now, we've got, we had 20 people at the last one, so, yeah, cool. doing okay. okay. Well, you know, COVID has wreaked havoc with networking events and all that, so I feel your pain, I get it. Um, <clears throat> but what, what intrigues me, Houston, what the people are going to want to know, and I'm going to get right to it, right, is um, how you've done what you've done. So um, give us just a snapshot of the type of projects that you have got in your pipeline today that you're bringing through to fruition. Okay. And then we'll, then we'll, then we'll go back and, and see how you got there, okay? Okay. Yep. Well, I've got a portfolio of buy-to-lets. I've got some HMOs and serviced accommodation, and I'm doing conver- commercial conversions. So at the moment, I'm working on a, um, a conversion of a care home, which we've now got planning for. I'm refurbing an HMO, six-bed HMO. I've got some land which I'm developing um, for commercial reasons, doing a barn conversion, and I've got a buy, refurb, refinance. So those things I've got on the go at the moment. Well, I mean, that's uh, right. That's kind of everything, isn't it? All the strategies that of progressive property we teach, right? In terms of your portfolio, I know you're a very modest man, right? But, you know, round number, the value of the property that you've got in your portfolio, pipeline plus long-established stuff, just, just give us a top-line number. I'm not going to deep-dive house it. Top-line, good question. It's round about, let's say, six million maybe, something like that. Six million, that's, that's good enough for many people listening uh, yeah. today. Um, so you, we get it, right? You've got massive experience in all this stuff. You're bringing these quite technical and difficult projects to fruition, but you didn't start there. 
ousted. Right. Let's 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 see if we can plot your journey from where you where you started um, as a mere slip of a thing to where you are today. So where did it start? How did you how did it roll? It started really um, through my mum. Um, she needed to raise some money. Um, I'm one of four. Uh, my dad died when I was quite young. And so she needed to raise some money, had the house valued, and she took me to one side as the oldest son and said, you know, me and your dad, we bought this house for £1,200. They've just had it valued. They must have made a mistake. They reckon it's worth 25000 She says, there's no way it can be. And I'm just thinking, I don't know anything in 16 years that go from 1200 to 25,000. So I'm in the sixth form at school and I say to my mates, I said, we need to do this. Sometimes you can just see something, you know, you can just see, see it. And I could see it. And I said to my mates, we have got to do this property thing. This, this is something that can help us. And they just tried to talk me out of it. Um, we're too young. It's too risky. Got no money. Let's go and get drunk. You know what young people do. So I decided not to tell them and just went off and done it myself. So, um, I just had second jobs. I did anything, you know, like you could get those, um, little figures that you could paint. I did that. I addressed envelopes. I did odd jobs. I sold insurance. I had a spice round. I did anything I could. I just saved deposits, bought houses, saved deposits, bought houses. And I bought two houses. How much at that time, so yeah. I don't ask you how old you are, but when, when is this 25 grand houses? Are we, are we in Ipswich at that point? We're in Ipswich and it's in the We're 80s. In the 80s, okay. We're in the 80s, yeah. Um, you're what, 18, 19 years old at this point? 18 years old, yeah. Can you, can you get a, a mortgage? Or, or Yeah. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so I went to see, uh, see, I didn't, I didn't know anything about buying houses, right. but, um, I, I was, um, with the co-op, with Ipswich Co-op. And so, um, I spoke to some people at the co-op and said, you know, how do you do this? How do you buy houses? And they said, first, you need to get a solicitor. Um, you need a mortgage man. Um, so once you go out and find your house, so they were just mentoring me, if you like, yeah. uh, and every step of the way. And I've always had a really good, if you like, power team. So my solicitor and my broker were my power team, you know, and my solicitor um, is still my solicitor today. So from right back then at 19, he's always been my solicitor. Fab. I mean, you just stumbled on the right person at the right time, yeah? Yeah, yeah, and he's helped me. Now, the thing is that um, every time I've ignored his advice, it's always come back to bite me. So uh, I never ignore him. I've only ignored him twice. I've never done it since. So uh, I bet you both chuckle about that, don't you? <laughs> we um, do. So um, you're doing little, uh, second jobs you're still at school you're doing evening jobs weekend jobs, whatever you can do how much cash did you have to get together to buy your first house and how did that feel yeah so yeah so once i left the sixth form i went to work for the co-op full-time so i so i'm a trainee um store manager with the co-op on 19 pounds a week <laughs> <laughs> It was probably a lot of money then. <laughs> I remember somebody asked me what I wanted to achieve by the time I was 30, and I said to him, I'm going to earn £100 a week, right? Yeah. It was a lot of money then, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. 
And I've, I've uh, never quite made it, by the way, hundred pounds. Oh. I've never made. It. <laughs> well, my my first house um, that I bought it was nineteen nine nine five, and um, and I'm thinking that I must have put down round about that five percent ish mark. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Different um, different criteria back in the yeah. day. There was no buy to let mortgages, you see. Right, so what you did it on a resi mortgage? This is for you to leave it. Uh, uh, yeah, so you, yeah, so, so you buy it on a resi mortgage. Um, so yes, I bought it for me to live in. Um, and then when you wanted to let it out, you applied for consent to let. You paid them fifty pounds, and now you can rent it. Oh, fab. Okay, gotcha. So I just kept doing that. Yeah. yeah. So now um, I've got two houses. I've got Myris. Yeah, which most people can't remember. Mortgage they won't remember Myris. I remember. I wept openly when they took that away. Yeah. Now, you can only have it on one property. Okay. Now, at this time, I've got two, and I've got Myris on both. And a mate of mine says, you can't have Myris on two properties. So I've gone to my mortgage guy and says, what can I do? He says, is there anyone that you trust? So, David, had you been my mate back then, I would have said, look, I would have took you for a drink. And I said, David, look, you want to leave home, but you can't afford to. If my mortgage man can get you a mortgage, will you hold the mortgage for me? I'll make all the payments, build up your credit score. And when you're ready to buy, I'll release you from the mortgage and I'll give you the endowment as a thank you. Wow. Okay. So several things there. People are listening out in property sourcing profit land. <laughs> uh, the rules have changed. <laughs> but yeah. what, a, what a compelling offer that is and um can release the endowment will people know what we're even talking about uh, yeah, do you want to share what the what that means what do you want to share what that means because um well, an endowment policy um was sold to you so i only saw um property as long term yeah so with this endowment policy you had an interest only mortgage and then you had this sort of like savings plan that ran alongside it so I bought my prop- property with grand numbers for 20,000. The endowment after 25 years was going to be worth 40,000. 20 would pay off the mortgage, and now I've got 20,000. And I'm thinking. Well, well that, was the, that was the pitch, wasn't it? It never, it didn't, I don't know about you, my experience ended a little bit differently from that. So um, uh, Cheryl and I bought our first home on a capital and interest you know, repayment. Okay. And I was wheeled into the building society, which no longer exists, uh, sat in front of the manager, and she said to me, oh, you need one of these endowment, Dave. I'm going to switch you over to an endowment because, by the time you know, you're buying a 50 grand house, right? By the time you finish, you'll get 100 grand in the endowment. And 25 years later, of course, there actually wasn't even enough money in the endowment to pay off the mortgage. So... Um, that's all gone away now. You can see it's people, we, we'll be speaking the foreign language house did to a lot of people who are listening. Okay. Um, it didn't end well. And I had to finish up putting cash in, pay off the mortgage at the end, started getting yeah. these red alerts from the mortgage company and stuff like that. But back in the day, what you outlined was accepted wisdom. Yeah. We were all in it. We were going to make not only buy a house, but get the same amount of value again in cash at the end of the endowment. I thought I only need 10. And I'm set. I know. I'm laughing. I had the same plan. I had the same plan. You know, you buy 10 because, you know, there's a rule, isn't there? They double in value in in 10, in, in, um, they double in value in 10 years. So you buy 10, right? You sell off half of them. 
right? And then the money pays for the other five, so you've got five for nothing, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you do it again. You keep doing it, right? Apart from the fact, House, the other thing I did, and you'll get it, but some people won't, um, I'd, the endowment thing, I got intrigued with it, so I started taking out a new one every year because I figured, you know, once we get to the point where they start paying out, I'm going to be a trillionaire every year. They're going to start coming. And you know I never got there. <laughs> so, wow. Okay, so now you've got two. You've got yours, you've got your mate on the promise of walking off with his endowment policy. Um, yeah, how, how do we kind of move on from there? I bought six more like that. Right. Other people holding the mortgages, and two of them were mates that were in the sixth form at school with me who didn't want to do it with me. So they were quite happy to hold the mortgage, but they didn't want to invest. Isn't Bam. that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Wow. Um, so you've got a taste for it. What about things like we don't think about, like some of the houses must have needed to work on, you know. Um, the tenancy agreements were completely different then back in the 80s. So, you know. The, Let's not go there. But what about getting the houses safe and letterable? Did we even have gas safety certificates at that time? No, we didn't. No, I didn't think we no. did. No, we, we didn't have gas safety um, until um, a little later. Now, what had happened was in my area, um, someone had died from the fumes. Yeah, carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. yeah, someone had died and then it just came in. And so then we needed it. Yeah. And I'm not sure how long, how much into that, in the nine, um, yeah, into the Me nine. Either. I can't remember either. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember it coming in. Yeah. Uh, so um, what about if it needed a bit of work? You must have bought houses that were a bit damp or, you know, weren't pleasant. Yes. Or, yeah. How, how did you deal yeah. with that? And I, I, it was all pot luck, um, in it really, David. So I would try and find people who could do stuff for me. I was regularly ripped off, um, uh, <laughs> you know, well, and, and I would believe what they told me because I didn't, I wasn't an expert in that field. So if they said it needed this, it needed that. Yeah. And this is how much it was going to cost. I remember one refurb that I did and I said to the guy, how much is this going to cost me for you to take it from this to this? He says, I can't work like that. I have no idea what I'm going to find. Guy, there's no way, you know, I, I just can't do it like that. And I obviously ended up paying more. Um, I used to pay people by the day, and um, I stopped doing that fairly quickly because um, what's a day? I'd turn up at 8 o'clock in the morning. No one's there. I get there at 10 o'clock. They're on a tea break. I come back at 2 o'clock, and they've left off. I mean, you know, what, what's a day? And you're paying them for the day. This is very valuable because this this still exists today, right? This people are going to start walk, you know, bump up against this stuff today. Yeah, so you get to quote for the job, absolutely. Uh, yeah. We we all learned that very quickly. Cool. Um, so, what about finding tenants in the early days? So uh, these were your mates, but at some point somebody must have wanted to move on or dropped off, or so, you know, life happens. Uh, what, yeah. what, how did you deal with those things if you've suddenly got an empty house? So I would go down to the East Anglian Daily Times and I would sit with Sue or Mary and they, and we would type up an ad that would go into the East Anglian Daily Times and you paid by the line. <laughs> and so we would try and get, she would do loads of abbreviations so we could have as few lines as possible. And then they would throw in the lines above and below for nothing because I was such a regular and uh, it would go out like that. 
I would take oh, the pass. So this, I had no idea where we were going to go with this conversation, but I used to go to the Portsmouth News Office in, in, um, in, in the middle of Portsmouth, Hillsy Roundabout, and do yeah. the same thing, play around with the number of words because, you know, you had to fit it in the one column by three yeah. centimetres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this, this is genius. Yeah, okay, fab. Um, you know, friends listening to this, we sound like two old codgers, but actually the learning from what we did uh, yeah. sort of the great step going forward. Yeah. So um, did you go on with the single let thing at what time? I know you're a big multi-let fan. Uh, at what point did you think, hmm, should I put more than one person in the house? Yes, so I, I did do that. And because everyone was saying to me, you can get much more by letting it out by the room. Now, they weren't called HMOs back then. It was <laughs> rent them by the room, you see. So, um, so I did. I rented them by the room. And I did it very badly, I have to say. So um, people, I'd get phone calls. He's stolen my milk again. His girlfriend stayed again. And people would just move out. And then they might not pay. So they're all mates in this house. And... Um, you go to collect the rent and they would say things like, oh, I didn't get paid this week, but I'll give you double next week. You know, so it was all things like that. And so I just had enough and I decided to go back to what I knew worked and that was just family, family homes. Single by to let, yeah. So I'm, again, I am at heart, you know, the yeah. greater part of my portfolio is single let by to lets. There's a bit of commercial stuff in there as well. But yeah. yes, I'm, I'm not. Although I source, you know, we've done, and we'll talk about this because I think people want to hear about the process. We've done over 40 back-to-brick um, renovations, refurbishments into all en suite HMOs now, and I know that you have expertise in that. Um, so I, I'd like to try and squeeze something out of you on that in today's market, how, how, how that rolls. Uh, but in my own portfolio, um, I've tried it, and I'm basically a single let to let landlord now it's i sleep better you know yeah um okay so um you started off just bunging people in rooms and then yeah. at some point you had to get a bit more organized and professional a because regulation started to come in yeah, yeah. um yeah. and b i suppose you wanted to attract longer term tenants so you didn't have all this weekly arm wrestle although i wouldn't arm wrestle with you um to get the rent in <laughs> Um, so how, when did when did you start to get more? I, mean, I hesitate to use the word professional because professional is what you were doing at the time in the context of the time, right? But when did you start moving these forward? Right. So um, I, I I was a store manager with the co-op, so we've got, yeah. we, we we move on ten years. I've got eight properties now. Just to say, just a quick quick story about. Um, I didn't understand about things like tax and things like that. So if you made a profit, you had to pay tax. So if my um, mortgage was £200 um, a month, I might charge £175 rent and top it up because it was a pension. And so I saw that as you pay into pensions. So I wasn't looking to make money monthly. I was just looking for that long term, get my endowment, pay it off, I've now got a quarter of a mil and I'm done. Now, in 1992, David, I don't know if you can remember that, but interest rates went to 16%. Yeah. 
Yeah, there was a bit of financial unpleasantness. We were compulsorily expelled from the ERM at the time. Yeah. And I remember Mr. Lamont, our Chancellor, uh, what were we shadowing the Deutsche Mark at 3.30? I don't know why I, I've yeah. got that in my head. And the overnight rate, the night we came out, was actually 30% that night. So the end yeah. of the world, right? Uh, but yeah, 16%, I, I, I remember that. Yeah. So yeah. things got a bit more expensive, did they? Well, I luckily... I say luckily, so I've released everybody else from their mortgages and I've got my own uh, buy-to-let mortgages at this point, but I'm now in arrears on all eight properties because mm-hmm. I can't keep up the payments. They've gone sky high. Yeah. And um, so I phones up my area manager and says, look, I'm not coming in today. And I just sat at home and just brainstormed how I'm going to com- keep my portfolio because I'd gone to see the CAB centre and said to them, you know, what can I do? And they just said, sell them. And I thought, I've just worked too hard to get these properties. I can't. I just can't sell them. So, yeah, so I, I just came up with some really amazing ways, like raise the rent. You know, that was um, a, a revelation. <laughs> um, my mortgage guy, again, I go back to my power team and my mortgage man. So I've got these, this list of things, which I can't even remember what they all were. And I said, what about this? Can we do this? Can we do that? We? And, he said, yeah. and he just said, this is what we're going to do. And he just helped me through it. We just moved mortgage products. So we got better interest rates. Um, some people had fixed at 16%. He didn't do that for me. He found me some really good deals and I was able to do that. And 1994, the co-op decides to open on a Sunday. Um, I played football on a Sunday, you know, and I decided at that point that I didn't want to work and I really loved my job at the co-op. I absolutely loved it. But when I assessed my portfolio in those two years, I'd completely turned it around and I was earning more money from my properties than I was as a manager with the co-op. So I left full-time employment in 1994 and I've never looked back. There isn't anyone, anyone who can tell me that property can't work because I made it work and I didn't really know what I was doing. And you were in Ipswich. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's fast forward today. Let's give uh, our listeners uh, something to get their teeth into today. You talked about the six-bed conversion you're doing at the moment. So somebody wants to uh, do one of them, and, you know, we do a few of them, um, just the headline, the the potholes and the pitfalls and things you've got to be – uh, aware of and managing the um, refurb and the, the builders and financing it. House yeah. did the, so somebody wants to do it who's listening. What what are the main things to keep them safe? Okay, so yeah, firstly, make sure that you've bought it well. Is the first thing you've got to make sure that you've bought it well. You're not overpaying, and there's nothing wrong with buying something with a little bit of a discount to it and making sure that you do. Um, I, I know a lot of people would like to refinance out on the um, income, but I never do that. I always just do it on the bricks and mortar because my experience has been that properties go up and properties come down, properties go up and properties come down. The one thing I have never been able to do is time when it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, but I've never been able to time it. So I want to take that bit of luck out of it. So I make sure that I buy right at the right uh, when I buy. And so that when I refinance, it's on the bricks and mortar and not on the um, on the income. 
And the main reason was that people did the um, the next next day refinance. I, n- I never did that, but I know a lot of people who did, who would buy a property for 100000 then remortgage it for 120000 And I see that as similar with the nature of Day one on one day, right? Yeah. So it, yeah. Basically, it was no money in purchase, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I see that is when people do that with an HMO refinancing it on the finance, it's something like that. Now, ev- everybody looks at their own stuff differently, and I, I just think I- I've never done it. So, um, so no, I've, never, I've never done it either, which is interesting that, you know, we both independently came to that view. Yeah. Um, I was given the opportunity of doing the one-day remortgage. I was in, in a, a network of people who were doing it in 2005, 6, 7, Mortgage Express at blessed memory, um, you know, with a weapon of choice. But I kept putting down my, at that time, 15% deposits. Yeah. That was the rule at the time. So I kept doing that. Um, the don't overborrow thing. So if we can do it for people who are listening, I, I know what you mean, right? So in Ipswich, with an HMO building, it's basically <laughs> a residential building that needs commercial finance. That's Yeah. I've never quite, but that's just the way it is, right? So we've got two options, House did. Uh, We've got the bricks and mortar value, which you favour and take out. The other alternative is that you touched on is the yield-driven valuation, which is a valuation reached on the rent roll as if it was a commercial enterprise. And that, in some places, can be higher. So in the north of England... Yeah. Everyone wants a yield-driven valuation because the value comes out higher and they want to get as much money out as they can. You and I think that might not be the wisest thing to do. But in the south of England, the highest valuation by far is bricks and mortar because the property values in the south are much higher than the the income-driven valuation. So I'm I'm working towards a question. Don't worry. Your eyes are glazing over um, house dip, but stay with me. Ipswich, right? Yeah. what's the higher and lower uh, valuation? Is is Ipswich a bricks and mortar area to get the highest value or is it a yield driven to get the highest value? Yield. Yield. Yield, yield will get you the highest, yeah. Interesting. Because in Peterborough, you know I work in Peterborough now, progressive yeah. sourcing. Depends which bit of Peterborough you're in. So we're in in that sort of Midland suede, which I suppose goes from Ipswich through Peterborough over Northampton, Coventry and beyond. Yeah. In some parts of the city, in the, in, in the middle of the city in Peterborough, a bricks and mortar value is going to be higher. But as you, you move to the outskirts of the city, then the yield-driven valuation is higher. I, it's, that was new to me when I went to Peterborough. Yeah. Quite interesting. So buy the thing right. Well, there's alchemy and magic there. And uh, yeah. don't overborrow uh, Builders, so you, you referenced early in your, your journey that builders were something of a struggle for you um how do you do a six-bed conversion because that's quite a big value you know that can be 80 to 100 grand quite easily depending on why i've no idea what you're doing um who who do you use for that sort of thing now what builders well well, i in 2009 i met my business partner who happens to be a builder would you believe (laughs) and uh the very first the very first project we did i knew that someone upstairs was looking after me because as normal i'd got a builder in who'd been recommended to me and he had quoted to do the work on this house and my guy came in and had a look and he said do you know what all this stuff he's put on here 
I don't think we need to do all of that. And I'm saying to him, are you sure? This guy's a builder. Forgetting that my mate's a builder. <laughs> you know, so anyway, we had to turn the stairs in this particular house. And the guy was saying how, what it was going to cost and how we had to do this and how we had to do that. So we picked up the keys, let's say, on the Friday. On the Saturday, I've gone in and the stairs have been turned. On the Sunday, I've gone in and all the walls have been knocked out upstairs. And then I go in on the Monday and it's all, all the rooms have been reconfigured. And it cost us a fraction of what this guy, and I just thought, this is what Rob and Mark have been talking about, chalk and cheese. Get someone to compliment your, um, I want to say, um, favors, but weaknesses. Yes. So compliment your weaknesses. Yes. And he definitely complimented my weaknesses. Well, this is fab. So um, we can't give you any constructive tips, property sourcing profiteers out there, how to do this. You just have to walk the streets looking for the right person. I mean, it is trial and error, isn't it? You've got to, as my daughter said, Dad, you have to kiss an awful lot of frogs before you find your prince. I don't know how many frogs she's kissed. Uh, How did I'm not going to ask you that? It's none of my business, but she found him anyway. Uh, Cool. So uh, I'm going to skip on now a little bit Um, because when I met you, uh, you were actually... You were quite a big cheese at Progressive. You still are a big cheese um, at Progressive. So I was virtually new. I was new to Progressive, not new to property, but, you know, this, this whole thing, that, this place we live where your mind gets expanded. I, I didn't even know anything about it at all. Um, but you were a Cayman Legacy de- delegate, and you went on to be a Cayman Legacy delegate multiple times. So you mentioned Rob and Mark. Um, you know, I'm... They're my heroes, right? Um, I, yeah. I, I have the highest regard for those young men, and uh, I have no reason to be to say this, but I feel very proud of what they've achieved. You know, I haven't really contributed to their thing, right? I, you know, if I was their dad, I'd be proud. So, um, give us an inkling into how you were pretty hardcore seasoned investor when you came to Progressive, right? Uh, how did training stroke, masterminding stroke, mentorship help you within the progressive world um, and improve what you were doing as a property investor because because you committed to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when interest rates had gone to 16% and I'd left my job, I stopped investing for a while because that, that sort of scared me. Yeah. And then I discovered education. So that business partner I've told you who's a builder had lent me a book and that just reignited my fuel. I then get through the post, this property um, seminar, which I go along to. I've gone along to the seminar. I'm on a three-day course. I've bought all the stuff, and I'm, I'm in. Um, I then, on, on another seminar, I'm, Rob Moore speaks. And uh, he says, I've got this thing for you. Come along. So, but I didn't take it up. I saw him the second time, and I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go along and have a look and see what he's up to. And I just gelled with progressive so i am a really big advocate of one getting educated and two having a mastermind group so how has that helped me so i joined the progressive um mastermind group the vip group and um they were talking about joint ventures so up and that till that point it was just me and my my business partner who was the builder we were our we were the, our own jv partners if you like but um there's a guy who um, I trained with, and um, he had some money to invest. 
And being part of that group helped me to be able to put that JV together. They invested quite a bit of money and we went on and built a good sized portfolio, which I wouldn't have been able to do um, without the help of Rob and Mark. Now, I say I wouldn't have been able to do what I've come up with a way. I might not even thought about it. I might have thought oh, that was too big a number. And the amount of money that he wanted to invest was not the sort of money that I was um, borrowing. I was only borrowing 50 grand or 100 grand. And this was a, a lot of money. So, um, oh, go on, give us a clue, House, the, the, you know, round number. A million pounds. A million pounds. <laughs> a million pounds, yeah. Right, okay. And they helped me put that JV structure together because obviously – People who are bringing the money um, feel that the money is the most important thing. Yeah. I'm the person without the money feel that the deal is the most important thing. Yeah. And somehow we have to come to an agreement. Yeah. And, um, and they helped me to see that what I was bringing was just, just equal value to the money. And so they helped put that together. Talked about going off to the Cayman legacy. So the good thing about the Cayman is that um, – you've got people who are in their different stages of their journey. And luckily for me, that most people around the table were higher uh, in their journey than I was. Yes. Yes, me too. I get yeah, because yeah, I'm on uh, Masterminds led by Robert Mark now. Um, yeah. and, and may I say, they're the first thing in my diary every month. I love, I love those Masterminds. Um, yeah. And I'm the smallest business in the room. Yeah. And they haven't sussed me out yet, House did. They'll get me one day, they'll suss it out. Um, so for friends who are listening who don't know what the Cayman Legacy is, stroke was, every year it was an annual event, although there were several touch points during the year and the Cayman delegates sort of worked together as a, as a, a, a troop, a gang, a cohort, right, yeah. um, helping each other. They would go off to the Cayman Islands, led by Rob and Mark and one or two other industry leaders. I believe it was the highest level property stroke business, but certainly property mastermind in the UK. I can't think of one that was higher. Um, it's not operating at this time, uh, but I'm sure something similar will start again uh, in, the, in the future. And you went again and again and again, didn't you? Yeah. So there's, you made a significant investment in your training, coaching, mastermind, and mentoring, right? So you obviously saw a return on it. So structuring your million-pound JV, I get that. But why did you keep going again and again? Okay, so um, I used to manage my the portfolio myself. And um, when I joined Progressive and started doing training, I pretty much doubled my portfolio overnight. Um, I say overnight, within the first year. So I did really well with my buying in, in the first year. And I was just making silly mistakes because I had too many properties to manage myself. And um, they said, why don't you get an agent? Tried it, doesn't work, I'm doing it myself. And so we came up with criteria to interview agents. And I found a really good letting agent. Now, I've been with him, I think now, easily, it's around about nine, 10 years but he transformed my business. So I've had <laughs> no bad debt in that time. And that was just something that I never achieved. So straight away, my cash flow has gone through the roof because I'm paying him to manage it and he is worth every penny. Now, I never try and knock him down on the price. So he says, 
this is what I'm going to charge you. All I say to him is that give me your best price, but you need to be making some money and I need to feel that I'm getting good value for money. And so he sets the price, I pay it, and he is worth every single penny. And then I've got so many managers, my HMOs, again, worth every single penny. I haven't got to deal with, have I got the um, tenant types correct? They, they, he does all that. Uh, have, I got, have I got the um, gas safety? Is the, um, you know, like the fire alarms and all that sort of stuff, is that all being done and recorded every week? Are the checks being done? That is all done and signed off and I can go and have a look, but it is done. It's not down to me to make sure how I remembered because when you've got a lot of properties, it's really hard to stay on top of them. So that is one of the great things that helped me from the mastermind because everyone's got had agents and they're saying, but we're doing HMS, but we don't manage them themselves. And I said, oh, I don't know. But yeah, and so it absolutely works. There was people who were buying, using things like pensions which everyone kept saying, you can't do that. But yet in my mastermind group, everybody was doing it. And so it depends on who you surround yourself with. Yes. yes. So that's why I kept going every year. I learned things every year, which took my business forwards. One thing, one thing from a mastermind group, not only pays for the investment in the mastermind group, but pays, it pays you for years to come. So there was something, um, I hope you won't mind me mentioning it, and Shaz Nawaz sits in... in the mastermind group that I'm a member of. And there was something he shared with me over lunch. And he doesn't really know anything about my business. He's, he's not my accountant, right? Is it, my business is structured the way it's sort of grown, right, over the years in bit piecemeal. And he said something to me, and that in the first year earned me eight grand, right, off the bottom line, right? And now I'm introducing it more and more. It's multiple eight grand per year, right? Yeah. Um, just by having a spot of lunch in the room, you know, not even in a formal session. So this this stuff this stuff is real. I get it. it. Is really, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to move on from there because there's so much to talk about. House did, and we haven't got enough time in this episode. I'm quite frustrated. So I'm going to say to you in a, in a little while, can we do this again and pick this up from where we left off, right? Okay. But what I want to share with our property sourcing profiteers out there is that. Uh, I feel really fortunate and blessed because Housted has recently agreed uh, to become a mentor in the deal packaging mastermind group at Progressive Property. We are honoured and blessed to have him with us. Um, the, the wealth and depth of experience. I mean, we haven't touched on doing the deal. Like he said, you know, make sure you buy it right. But there's, you know, there's, there's, there's days of coaching and mentoring in that, how do you buy it right? And, and he's going to be working with our deal packaging mentees who are trying to move them forward. And anyone that sits on Housted's table, uh, you are really lucky to be able to do that. So Housted, can I say thank you for that? Um, it's always an honour and a privilege. Are you happy? Maybe sometime into next year. Could we do this again, sit down for half an hour? Yeah, definitely. Yes, we can definitely do this again. Fab, how, how lovely to see you. And you should, you should speak more about what you're doing because some of the stuff you're doing, and we're not going to go into it here, is magical. I mean, you, you, you gave me, just before we came on live, um, you gave me a couple of glimpses into projects that are really creative, really interesting. Um, I can't tell you about them now, team, but I've got your interest. 
So listen out for the next episode. By that stage, I hope Halstead will have moved it forward and you can talk more freely about it. Halstead, thank you. I want to say thank you. This has been absolutely great. Um, we'll do it again. Property Sourcing Profiteers, uh, if you're out there looking for deals, make sure you go out. Do your viewings, make your offers, get something accepted, go through the rejections to get your deal. You're going to sell all of them. It's going to be great. Brilliant. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.